When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Main Attraction Podcast. Now, here are your hosts, Justin Strawn and Ryan Nelson. Welcome to the Main Attraction Podcast, where we discuss the biggest television shows and movies in the entertainment industry. I'm your host, Justin Strawn. Joining me each week is the other host of the show, a man who doesn't need a mask to fight crime, Ryan Nelson. Justin, I just want to thank the, watch, the show Watchmen because now... I'm starting to eat more eggs. <laughs> we should all eat more eggs. Good protein, good source of protein. You know, even though they do change it from every other week, it seems like where they're healthy, unhealthy. So, but yes, we should all eat more eggs, and we should thank Watchmen for that. So, uh, if you have been listening to the podcast since we started it back in January, thank you for continuing to listen and making us a part of your day. If you're new to the show, we hope you enjoyed as we talk about the HBO limited series from 2019 Watchmen. Uh, it is our patron pick, and we'll talk more about that a little bit later on. If you are new or a regular and would like more access to the show, though, you can go to our Patreon page and become a patron of the Main Attraction Podcast. Go to patreon.com slash the Main Attraction Podcast, and you can get Patreon-only content. You can support us at a $3, $5, $10, or $20 level, and when you join up, we'll shout you out here on the show. If you can't be a patron, you can help the show out by rating us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Leave us a five-star rating, and if you have time, write us a review over there. If you write us a review on Apple Podcasts, we'll read it on air next time we record. So, we are discussing the show Watchmen. It came out in 2019. I watched it when it came out. Ryan just recently watched it. The reason we are discussing it, though, is because it is our Patreon pick. We gave our patrons two choices, and they decided to go with this one. And I personally am very thankful that they did, because this is one of my favorites. So, real quick before we get into it, what was your general overall thoughts on this show? It was fantastic i can't believe i didn't watch this uh, i think it came out at a time you know i had watched the leftovers mm -hmm. damon lindelof's show before this right. and it, it was a lot really liked it and then you know i knew that i knew the i didn't love the watchman movie right i liked it you know and i i need to go back and watch that as well and i knew there was racial stuff in this and it was just at a time that i was like um, I just need to escape. Yeah, I can, I can see. There's a lot going on in the, the United States. <laughs> there <but>. was. <laughs> uh, little did we know that was just the beginning. But anyway. Yes, um, exactly. So uh, I just didn't, and I really regret it. I wish I had watched this as it was going on. I can't imagine how fun this was if you if you actually watched yeah, it. Yeah. Week to week where you got to think about it. It was a lot of fun because there were a lot of things, you know, you, when you got, uh, they revealed quite a few things in the, in throughout the course of the show. And when they do like the, the big thing, obviously, you know, if you're still listening to this, obviously we're going to be doing spoilers throughout the course of the entire show. But when you see, when you realize that, when you realize that uh, Cal is Dr. Manhattan, that's, you know, and they do at the end of episode eight you're like oh my gosh or whatever no they did it at the end of episode seven in the seven yeah yeah because i had three episodes left yesterday <laughs> and it was seven eight nine and i was like 
Oh man, I'm so glad I have time to watch this. <laughs> you know, it was back to back to back because I would have been so mad because when we watched six, I had to stop it. Yeah, and, it, and I would have been I would have been furious. It's rare that I get to go back and watch a show for a second time, and I watching this one for a second time. You know, there are little things that you don't pick up that you that you don't pick up the first time that you pick up on the second time. Like there is, uh, there's this one time like when Lady True is first taking. Uh, Agent Blair, uh, not Agent Blair, what's her name? Agent Blake. And Angela threw her compound or whatever it is you want to call it. I'm not exactly sure what mm-hmm. that is. But she says, and she's showing them this, the statue of Ozymandias. I don't remember what the line is, but she said something like, it's the seed for her inspiration. And I was like, a seed? I was like, oh, uh, okay. Yeah. I see where she went with that now. Yeah. Like it, I, it, I didn't catch that at all the first time I, I watched this show. Yeah. But the, it's little it, things it, like that you miss that when you watch the second time. It's just absolutely did, wonderful. Did you read the graphic novels? I did not. Okay. I just want to say that from the get-go. All right, so let's go ahead. And, uh, there's a few things I want to go ahead and start on. There are three things I think we need to cover before we actually start talking about this show. First is, or I'll let you pick. Um, I think we need to talk about Damon Lindelof. I think we need to talk about the source material. And I think we need to talk about the movie. So which do you want to do first? Let's do let's do source material, movie, and then Damon. Okay, so, all right, the source material. The source material, for, if you are not familiar with it, is this is a comic that was done. It was a 12-run issue back in 1985. It was written by Alan Moore. Uh, he is a legend in the comic world. Uh, but he wrote this. Dave Gibbons was the illustrator. Alan Moore, though, has a very contentious relationship with DC because that's who he published it for, and this is done by HBO. The HBO gets all of DC stuff. Uh, but he had a really contentious relationship with them. He, it all started with this property because when he first wrote it, he, it was under – the agreement that he had with DC was once you put it out of print, all of its rights come back to him and Gibbons. And he quickly learned that they were never going to let it go out of print. Uh, So he was never going to get the rights to it. He has never, anything that he has written that he does not have the rights to, that DC has the rights to, he has never been given his official, you know, approval for them to do it, even though he doesn't get a say in it, but, you know, he doesn't give, I guess, his blessing for them to do it, even though people still made uh, content based on it. Uh, but he has this very particular, like, the only other thing I can remember is V for Vendetta. That was a, an Alan Moore comic, and he, did, oh. he didn't have anything, he didn't want anything to do with it because uh, he, it, like I said, he just didn't want, it, his relationship with DC is really, really poor. Uh, so that's why they make fun of Batman in one episode. Yeah, uh, I'm not sure how much more has, uh, but they may, yeah, but part of that I think is just because the source material itself, which I was getting to as well. None of these guys are superpowered, and that's one of the things that is very important to remember: is none of these people have superpowers except for the one person, Doctor Manhattan, who is very superpowered. Uh, these are all basically, you know, Batman wannabes. Uh, everybody who's in this, and the original Watchmen is, you know, it, there's. They were just kind of overrun with all these vigilantes, and it's really a vigilante story more than it is a superhero story. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so that's the that's the comic. Uh, and Alan Moore, like I said, he, he what he has always said is he, he he doesn't like for his stuff to get turned into movies because he says I wrote comics. I didn't write movies. I wrote comics, and he didn't want this to be turned into a graphic novel, which it eventually was. And that is what I eventually read because when it came out, the movie was coming out in two thousand nine. I had never heard of it, uh, yeah. and I. 
and then when I looked into it, I was like, oh, it's a graphic novel. But apparently, uh, like I said, it, it was a 12 issue run in 1985, and then DC put it together as a graphic novel. Alan Moore didn't like that. He said it wasn't how he intended it to be read. But it is one of the <clears throat> is one of the few graphic novels that like typically makes like if we start talking about all time great novels, like people start putting lists together. Watchmen is one of the few graphic novels that will ever make that list. It is considered a great piece of literature, not just a great piece of comics because of the things it tackled, which goes back in 1985, it was tackling, you know, the cold war and the nuclear bomb race, uh, arms race and all this type of stuff. And that was the big issue it was tackling. Whereas in this show, they're tackling the issues of race and those yeah. types of things. So, uh, so that's kind of the source material. So we want to talk about the movie next. Yep, let's do the movie. All right, so you saw the movie, right? Yeah, and I, let me just state, it was a weird time in my life, uh, so I, I may have just hit me in the wrong time, because I love every actor in the movie, Right. so I'm shocked I didn't like it more. Well, here's the thing. The movie, it's completely forgettable. There, I, It is very true to the comic roots, and it's probably to the to the source material roots, and it's probably a problem. Because uh, I went back and looked at it, there's... That movie has so little that I remember from it. And like I said, it, it's only like at 64, 65% on Rotten Tomatoes. It was very, very mixed reviews. And there, to me, there are three main issues with it. Well, actually, there's four. One, it's a two-hour and 45-minute runtime. Uh, so it's yeah. a long film. Uh, that's part of it is trying to stick to the source material for a good bit of it. And let's be honest, that was before these Marvel movies, yes. two hours and mm -hmm. 45 minutes, and, and the Batman. So at that time, that's way Yeah. Before. Well, I mean, Marvel movies, I mean, most of them cut off, like two and a half hours is long for them. Normally, yeah. they're done around 2, 2.15. Uh, well, yeah. That, but but no, nothing was going over two hours. Yeah, no, 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 no. Back then, that was not the case at all. So you didn't go over two hours, and a movie like this was, was almost unheard of back then. Yeah. Uh, so that's one problem. Second problem is there's just this really weird love scene <laughs> set to Hallelujah uh, between Night Owl and Silk Spectre. Uh, oh, yeah. I kind of remember that. Yeah, like, uh, I, I can't remember the guy who wrote Hallelujah. Uh, but it's just... Leonard Cohen. Yeah, Leonard Cohen. Thank you. So, it, like I said, it's just weird. Uh, uh, nobody understood it. Uh, like, whenever you start to look up reviews on it people will talk about that that love scene in there and they're like it doesn't make sense it's awkward it's just it's just odd uh the third thing is it's a Zack snyder thing because Zack yeah. snyder did this whenever somebody gets punched whenever somebody gets kicked in this movie they go flying like 50 feet in the air and they're not right. super powered people and that's the, that's kind of this issue is like if they were super powered people that makes sense but they're not uh, yeah, like in, yeah. in this show, when somebody gets punched, they react normally. Uh, so that's like I said, it's a Zack Snyder thing. It's what he does. It's his hallmark, but it, it doesn't work all the time. And I don't think it worked in that film. Yeah. And the last thing I think that's the biggest issue is the ending. The ending is completely different than the source material. Uh, uh, so at the end, the effect is kind of the same, but it was a huge disappointment to people who had read the graphic novel or the comics because in the in the in the graphic novel and the comics what Ozymandias does is he ends up killing three million people in the city of New York by faking a intergalactic squid attack which is okay. which is what they reference so often in the show yeah. uh, and that's the reason why they're they're kind of talking about but in the movie what Ozymandias does is he basically frames Dr. Manhattan for like these massive explosions all across the globe. 
and instead of because in the comic basically to get people to stop trying to do this nuclear arms race they become united against you know possibly these attacks from interdimensions and all this other stuff so that's what unites the, the world and that's how he tries to save the world even though it kills three million people in the process in the movie he unites the people against dr manhattan uh he basically turns him into the enemy. people are basically coming together because they're afraid of him now so like i said and when, when people ask Zack snyder why didn't he stick to the original ending is because he said well we just couldn't do that he said we couldn't make it work it wouldn't we couldn't make it realistic or look like it would be believable and then when we see this basically the same thing happened i think in episode five i think it was where we actually see that yeah. you're like eh, maybe you could have zach you know it's, this was 10 years after that movie came out so you know i can't imagine that stuff changed that much that you couldn't have done it so those were the three things it's just an unfor it's just a forgettable movie i mean like i said it's, right. it's not bad but mm -hmm. like I said, there's very little of that movie i remember just because it's just very bland yeah all right, so let's talk about Damon. All right, so what is your take on Damon Lindelof? Uh, huge fan. I mean, I love Lost. I love The Leftovers. I love, I mean, nope. I enjoy this. But when yeah. I know I'm getting, oh, when I'm, when I'm watching one of his shows, I know it's going to be weird. Yeah. I'm not going to know what's going on till maybe the end. Right. <laughs> uh, the Lost and Leftovers is still not sure what happened with those. Right. I feel more certain about what happened here. And I know that, um, there's just, uh, I'm trying to think, how, what's the best, like, like I said, weird, mm -hmm. uh, long episodes, uh, they're going to feel, they're going to, he's going to take the whole hour or whatever, mm -hmm. so yeah, I just, I just feel like he has the thing about the mystery, mm -hmm. and it's going to be, like I said, weird, and you may never know. Yeah, a little off, he's kind of got this reputation in the industry as, if he's your showrunner, if he's your head writer, then you probably have really good stuff coming. He is very hit or miss. Now, his movies, if you look at his movies, they're not great. Uh, like, he's yeah. got, uh, he wrote, I forgot what all of us he, uh, he wrote too. Cowboys and Aliens. Uh, oh, a huge miss. Yeah, he wrote uh, Prometheus. Uh, that was all right. That was pretty good. Yeah. I'll give him that one. I, I, I never saw it. I just, I remember. Yeah, it's, 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 it's good. Uh, I'm trying to think. There were some other things I can't think of, but his shows obviously have uh, have a much last long longer lasting impact. Uh, yeah, I've seen leftovers. Yeah, I've seen most. I've not seen all, most of it, but every time I start it, I, I get distracted by something else that comes out, and I, I do want to finish it because it's really good. What I've seen, I just yeah, haven't. Everyone finished it. thinks it's the best. The best. A lot of people think it's the best show ever. Yeah, yeah. I, I've heard. Like I said, what I've seen is really really good, but I haven't been able to finish it. Yeah, so he did Star Trek Into the Darkness. Wasn't that the one with Khan? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, that's the one that people don't like. Yeah. He he did World War Z. Yeah, that's not great. Uh, Tomorrowland with George. It's Gordon. okay. I, I thought it was better than I thought it was better than what people made it out to be. And then he and then he I, I I've never saw this movie. I forgot to watch it. The Hunt, that one that came out uh, during the pandemic. Oh yeah, uh, like white people. It's, it's actually, we're, yeah, it's actually uh, supposed to be pretty good. Oh, is it? Okay, I never heard anything about it. Yeah. But yeah, so his movies aren't quite as good. But the things that the two things that have always stood out for me, you mentioned Lost and Leftovers, and this this show right here is kind of going into that same pantheon uh, when yeah. people start talking about it. now. I will say this: it got review bombed because when we talked about Succession a while back, I asked you, you know, do you know any conservative people that really like this because they 
they really hit conservatives really hard. Conservatives don't like this show. I'll go ahead and tell you this much. <laughs> I, can, I, I, believe, I can believe And that. it got worse because they basically, in episode the flashback episode, the first flashback episode, where she takes the nostalgia, I mean, they basically say, like, that's, like, Fred that is in those scenes, uh, the large guy that's there, that's basically Donald Trump's dad. Uh, oh, yeah, like, okay. if you go, like, and, like, search, like, is... Uh, Donald Trump's dad in Watchmen or something like that. They'll, there's a lot of articles about how because that company that he runs is FT and Sons and like supposedly like they mentioned the address like is the same address that uh, Fred Trump's uh, business was and all this type of stuff. So that they didn't. It's almost like Lindelof said conservatives aren't going to like this, so I don't care. We're just going to hit them hard. I'm kind of glad I didn't know that because that like I, I don't like it when they're trying to be that obvious or something like that. Yeah. So that like I mean. If you want to make if you want to make white racist, <laughs> I'm completely fine right, with exactly. that. White white supremacist, and then the Tulsa massacre actually happened. This is a lot of. I don't think I had heard about it. I think my a lot of people had book, not. Mm-hmm. Uh, my wife read a book around this time, mm. and that was my introduction. This show is millions introduction yeah it was the, it's amazing how many people had no idea I, look i'm a history teacher so i knew what it was but i was in like when i first saw it because i didn't realize what they were doing it's, it's hard to figure out at first when yeah when you're sitting there watching it but once you realize what it is if you do know about it you're like oh okay i was like i wonder how many people are going to, have to go google this and apparently a lot of people did because I knew a lot of people did not weren't going to be familiar with the Tulsa race massacre of nineteen was twenty one was it or nineteen I can't remember what year it is I just know it's Tulsa twenty one yeah I think it's twenty one so I knew people weren't going to be familiar with it and I knew people were going to have to go look stuff up on it and sure enough that was the case so uh, where do we want to start with this do we want to start with the cast yeah let's start with the cast okay yeah. so let's start with the cast obviously the the person that is the center of this show the person that this story revolves around is uh regina king who plays angela abar i wasn't you know my biggest thing i was familiar with her was from 227 uh, i was gonna say that was my introduction <laughs> to regina. but I, she's been in a ton of stuff yeah no, like, i just i yeah. haven't seen a lot of it oh man i've seen a ton of her stuff i've seen friday which is one of my right. favorite mm-hmm. movies of all time she was ice cube's sister uh you know she was in she was in the leftovers Oh, is she? Uh, yeah, she was in school. Uh, what was that movie with Ice Cube? She's in. Um, dang it! I looked it up earlier. She's been in a lot. Yeah, she has. She was in. She was in Jerry Maguire. She was Rod Tidwell's wife. Oh, that's right. I've forgotten about yeah. that. I'm glad you mentioned that. Like I said, yeah. this, she kind of had this after two two seven. She kind of had this career where she played smaller roles and we don't like I said so she gets these roles like that role in Jerry Maguire that you know you don't really think about until somebody mentions it like you just did with me so that that makes a lot of sense ah yeah so she's she's if you look at her she was she was the president's wife in 24 if you look at her IMDB she has worked steadily for the last 30 years uh, she was Ray in the movie Ray. She was the second lead of that movie. That's right. She was. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. And she was uh, the second lead in Miss Congeniality too. Yeah. So if you look at her IMDb, she was one of the main characters in Legally Blonde too. She was Gosh, I don't remember all these. Yeah. Uh, here's another one. She was uh, Eddie Murphy's wife in Daddy Daycare. I never saw uh, that one. Uh, she was Chris Rock's 
love interest in Down to Earth. The movie I was thinking, of, oh, she was Will Smith's wife in Enemy of the State. Uh, that's one of the Will Smith movies I never saw was that one. So Yeah, uh, Higher Learning is the movie. Oh, okay, yeah, I yeah, yeah. That. And she was in Poetic Justice. So uh, those are movies from the 90s. But she has consistently worked either in drama or comedy. Yeah. Uh, so if you look at her, she has been an incredible actress this last 30 yeah. years. Yeah, now this... She deserves more recognition. Yeah, this I think is like her her best role, obviously. She ended oh, up... Sure. Yeah, she ended up winning an Emmy for this award, yeah. very much so. This show ends up winning the Emmy for Best Limited Series back in... Yeah. Tw- I guess technically it would be the 2020 Emmys, but you know what I mean. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, and so... shout out to 227. I'm glad you mentioned that. <laughs> I was like, am I going to have to bring it up? No, nope. I love 227. I, I, I remember 227. I, 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 I was a pre-teen boy. I, lo- I love you, Jack. Henry, I always will. <laughs> yeah, I remember two two seven very, very well. Actually, I love Regina King too. Let me just be honest. That's true. It was a good show for me. I was, I was at a good age. Yeah, she's about our age. If I, if I, if I. She's a little bit older. Is she a little bit older? Okay. She's about. She's like. 50. Okay. And she does not look yeah. that old, but obviously this oh, was three years ago. Good. Yeah, she does. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, you know, she plays Angela Abar, and she is, like I said, she's what this this show revolves around. And it's yeah. interesting that they chose her because. The show was the, the original source material, the the comic, the graphic novel. Obviously, there was a female character, Silk Spectre, who is played by Jean Smart, which we'll talk about in a little bit. But she was in; she's kind of the main female in the original source material. So to focus everything else around a female this time around is, is an interesting decision by Lindelof. But obviously, it worked really, really well. At least I thought it did. Yeah, and she was one of the main characters in the leftovers from season two on. Right. Uh, so he knew what he had with her. Yeah. He was building something around her. And let's just say he struck gold because she kills this role. Yeah, she does. She absolutely is. She is fantastic and she plays it perfectly to a T. I mean, just absolutely fantastic. Now, one person we don't see a whole lot of after, uh, the first episode, we do see him some Don Johnson shows up. <laughs> man, love me some DJ. Yeah. And he, is, he is just really good as the police chief. Uh, you know, and this is kind of what starts the whole show is when he is killed and, you know, you're sit, he's at, he's hung up in a tree and the only person there is Lewis Gossett Jr. who's in a wheelchair. He, he's not 105 like he is in, in the in the show. I think he's 85 right. or something like that. But nevertheless, he does a good job of coming across as somebody who's 105 years he old. He does, yeah. Uh, but so this is what kind of gets the entire show in motion is – is the death of I don't even remember what Don Johnson's character's name is. Judd Judd uh, Crawford. Judd Crawford. That's right. So uh, Police Chief Crawford, his death is what kind of puts everything into motion, and it leads to you know Angela investigating further into his life, into the uh, to what's going on with uh, the Seventh Cavalry. So a lot of a lot of interesting things going on with him. Uh, but Don Johnson, you know, like I said, I, I didn't know he was going to be in this, but I was so glad that he was. Yeah, and he was really good. When I was watching this first episode, I was like, man, because he does mostly comedy now. Yeah, he does. Mm-hmm. And so to, so for him to be this good and to be back being a policeman, you know, getting the Miami Vice vibes back. And then also I had read, you know, Lindelof wanted Michael Keaton to be Jack Shepard. Oh, really? pilot of loss, and they were going to kill him off. Oh, really? But Michael Keaton decided he didn't want to do it. So that's why he kills off Don Johnson in the first episode. Oh, okay. <laughs> that meant- which leads to the whole show, which they wanted to do that with Lost. They wanted to do it with Lost. Okay, I didn't realize yeah, that about so, that. 
Yeah, so, but, uh, yeah, Don Johnson, fantastic. Uh, so, obviously, I mentioned Lewis Gossett Jr., so let's talk about him. He was really good. He really was. Good. You know, he's probably best known for Iron Eagle. Uh, that was probably. Well, that's what he's most known for, for us. But yeah. Probably his Oscar from Oscar. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's, that's probably, yeah. For our, our generation knows him best from Iron Eagle. Obviously, his yeah. best performance would be Officer and Gentleman, which he won an Oscar yeah. for. Uh, it was the best supporting Oscar I've not seen, Officer and Gentleman. Yeah, it was, yeah. It's good. Yeah, really good. Uh, but, so, obviously, you know, he's he is a legend. To get him to do this is, you know, is a great get for Lindelof and, and for the show. Because he's just absolutely perfect for the role. I mean, he, he is. he is a tough guy. That's just yeah. kind of what he has always played. But, you know, if you're trying to get somebody who's, uh, you know, getting this tough guy who's still wants to come across as a tough guy as a hundred-some-odd-year-old person, you go get Lewis Gossett Jr. Yeah, and Lindelof is really good at getting these uh, – he did some – I'm going to mention him from The Leftovers, but finding these older actors that, you know, haven't had a spicy part in a while right. and mm-hmm. letting them cook. He, Scott Glenn is a huge part of The Leftovers. Mm-hmm. And he really does some crazy stuff in the last couple seasons. So, like, Lindelof knows what he's doing. And I'm glad, man, because I love Scott Glenn. I love Louis Gossett Jr. It's good right. to see these guys getting these roles. All right, so obviously we need to talk about about Angela's husband, Yaya Abdul-Mateen II, who plays Cal, who we'll eventually learn later on, is Dr. Manhattan. His character was so interesting because, I don't know about you, but I wasn't paying that much attention to Cal. I was because I had just seen Ambulance, and he's so awesome. Oh, okay. He's, yeah, he's Jake Gyllenhaal's his brother, and so the whole time I'm like, I didn't know he was Doctor right. Manhattan. I didn't, I didn't look at that up. But I was like, there's no way this guy's so good at action that he's not right. going to be a superhero at the end. I knew he was going to end up being something. Right. But like, but uh, had I not seen that, I don't know if I would have. Well, it makes a difference because something. think back to 2019. <sighs> He's had other stuff, obviously, yeah, but this yeah, is this a breakout. Role. Yeah, this is this a breakout role for him, and so that's one reason I was not paying that much attention to him at first. Like the face yeah. was familiar, and you know I'd seen him some other things. I think he had done Aquaman prior to this. Yeah, he was in the, he was in that, but this leads to him being in Candyman, yeah. mm-hmm. and then being in uh, 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 Ambulance, and then he's also in uh, that. He was in that, Ma- the newest Matrix movie. Uh, oh yeah, he was in Chadwick Boseman's last movie, the one that's about the Five Bloods. Oh okay, yeah. So this was a huge, huge thing. Like he t- took off after this. Yeah. So obviously the big setup, and I think if I remember reading this correctly, it's been three years, so I don't remember exactly. I don't think he was aware that he was going to be playing Doctor Manhattan oh. until like halfway through shooting this, if I remember correctly. Uh, wow. I, like they, that was not revealed. I know it wasn't revealed to him when he was auditioning for the part and when they were discussing him getting, uh, pl- playing this role of Cal, they didn't want him to know that obviously because if the possible one, because it, they wanted him to kind of play Cal as just Cal without thinking about being the superhero, this near godlike character. Uh, yeah. So they didn't want him doing that. But they also, you know, there's possibility for leaks and things like this. So if you if you're if you're announcing that, then people aren't aware. But so, like I said, there are some interesting things along the way. Like there's one there's this one part in the show where the children are at the are at the dinner table. And they're talking about where Uncle Uncle Judd went after he died, if he went to heaven, and all this type of stuff. And uh, he and Cal says, and they ask, Cal, is that, where do you think he is? And Cal says, well, 
uh, heaven is like just a made up place or something like that. He basically goes into like the, the whole idea of him being uh, an atheist, which is very much a Dr. Manhattan thing. And, mm-hmm. you know, thinking, looking back on like, why didn't I put that together? Because like, that's, that's one of the yeah. hints they're giving you that this is Dr. Manhattan because Dr. Manhattan is, you know, he's basically a God is, is what he is. Uh, so, like I said, I, I was like, man, I hate the fact I didn't catch that the first time around. But yeah. they do put, drop a few little things here and there that give you some idea that he might actually be Dr. Manhattan later on. Uh, let's take a break real quick and talk about the cast. I thought they did a really good job of this. Maybe I, I'm curious what your opinion is. I thought they did a great job of giving you the show and letting the people who had no idea what Watchmen was, who had never seen it before, I thought they did a good enough job of giving people what they needed to know going into the show. What did you think? I did too. And uh, my wife, she, she had not seen Watchmen. Mm-hmm. And so I knew enough that I, I had saw, I, I was noticing stuff throughout mm-hmm. that I was able to tell right. her, you know, hey, uh, like they're talking about Night Owl. Right. So mm-hmm. I, you know, and so like, yeah, but I, I'm with you. I don't think you had to know anything about and you could really enjoy it. Yeah. Obviously, if you knew the source, which I think it gives you a better under, it gives you a better understanding. It gives you a better mm-hmm. satisfaction level, I think. But I don't think you had to have read the comics or seen the previous movie uh, mm-hmm. to come into this. Now, if you, the only thing you had seen was the movie and that was what you were expecting to get a sequel to and all of a sudden squids are raining down, then you're probably going to be really confused. Uh, well, not to mention that the original cast is not really in it, uh, you know, towards towards the end. Right. There's only hints of them, so that was a big difference. Yeah, there was. Because that's one of the things that when this came out was, you know, it was like Lindelof was basically saying, you know, it's going to be there. They, uh, they talked about who Gene Smart was going to play. Um, we'll talk about her in a second. They talked, they had mentioned, they, like, I don't remember when it was announced, but, like, I think it was at a Comic-Con or something like that. I don't remember exactly where it was announced. But oh, I'm sure it was. They brought out Jeremy Irons, and they say he's going to be playing a mystery character. They don't reveal who he's going to be playing, but everybody keyed in, oh, well, he's going to be, he's going to be Ozymandias. He's going to be Adrian Veidt. I mean, that was one of the least worst-kept secrets that they had going yeah. into this show. Be like, oh, he's got to be Adrian Veidt, and sure enough, he was. Uh, so let's go ahead and talk about the cast. So let's pick up with those two. So let's talk about Adrian Veidt since he's in the very first episode. How long did it take you to figure out that that's who it was? Or did you know immediately? I did not. Uh, you know, I, uh, and I kind of forgot about that. Character. Yeah, if you if you hadn't yeah. seen anything recently, uh, he'd be real easy to forget about. So I was curious yeah. what it was like for you. And that was a, a really fun character because, you know, one, you were like, is he in the same timeline? Right. Or, you know, what what is the deal with him? And then it kind of, they kind of hinted at that he was the main villain, that he was going to end up being the villain. Then, you know, he ends up looking like he's a villain and then he ends up, you know, helping everyone at the end. So I thought they did a really good job with his plot. I wouldn't want to watch every show do that because no. I think it would be annoying. But for some, but... When you have Jeremy Irons, yes, it, it's it's not as annoying. Now he had some weird, weird stuff with Mister Phillips right. and Mister Crookshanks. Uh, I think Tom Nissen and Sarah yeah. Vickers. Mm-hmm. So and they were both really good. So some of that was like, okay, we could have cut some of that off. Well, but, you know, yeah, it's he. They did a really good job of being true to his character because, I mean, Ozymandias basically has this idea that, you know, I will do. 
he's you know he's kind of a hero but he's kind of a villain he's kind of both uh he has this idea that i'm going to do whatever i can for the greatest good at all like if it means saving the entire world i'll kill three million three million people in, in the city of new york if it means uh you know killing uh, all these people in tulsa to keep lady true from becoming dr manhattan then i'll do that uh you know it just that's the that's so much the character of him and they do such a good job of that in this now did you ever figure out the timing and how basically the time frame that he was on europa did you ever figure that out I did after they showed Europa. Okay. I didn't realize that to the end. And also, I wanted to be in the conversation for David Lindelof to Jeremy Irons. By the way, you're going to have some fart scenes. Yes. <laughs> I, I read about those when it, when this came out, and I don't remember what they said about him. I think he was actually on board with it. Some of it may have been his, his idea. but I, I will say that last one when he says defense for us, he looked like he really enjoyed himself. <laughs> He did. Like I said, I don't remember, but I, I think they some people uh, talked to asked Jeremy Irons about those those fart scenes. I think I th- I think he some of those were his idea, but I'm not sure. I it's been a while, so I can't say for certain. But yeah, getting Jeremy Irons for this is, is was such a key thing because you have to get an older actor obviously to do this role because it's been you know nearly 40, 35 years or so since the original story took place. So you got to get an older actor, but you got to get a guy who can come across as the smartest man on earth. Mm-hmm. And Jeremy Irons does a good job of that. I mean, he's, well, it's, it's going to be Irons or Malkovich, right? Yeah, pretty I much. It just about has to be mm-hmm. yeah. because I mean, you've got to get, there's a certain gravitas that has to come with that, yeah. that, that role. And, and it's hard to find. And, right. And the gravitas and the weirdness. Yeah. And mm-hmm. Irons can pull that off. Malkovich could as well. Yes, but, he could have. So, like, but Aaron's perfect person. All right, so, and when you were watching this, and we, we kind of texted a little bit back and forth when, after you started watching it, Gene Smart joins the cast in, in episode three, and it's like you yeah. said, this, this show finds a different level when she joins the cast. It, it has to be, I was telling my wife this, how cocky does Gene Smart have to be yeah. when every she enters a show, it immediately gets better. Yes. Mm-hmm. Like, like she... Everything gets better when she comes on. Like, I, I would be so cocky. And then I noticed that Sigourney Weaver turned this down, and that's how she got the role. Right. What are you doing, Sigourney? Yeah, I'm being interested to know what, what made her turn it down, because this yeah. this would be a, a, a prime role for somebody of her age. Yeah. I mean, it just it just would be. Uh, so I'm interested to know what caused her to turn it down, because, I mean, she had just come off Defenders. Maybe that's what it was, yeah. coming off Defenders, because that, that was not as well received. It was a... It was a mediocre show, yeah. and I think maybe that's what it was. And like Gene Smart, and we we have finally given her her due. Yeah, w- one of the best actresses in the last forty years, and finally also came up designing designing women. women. A yeah, sh- show when I was a preteen. Uh, hello, ladies. Of women. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it's so interesting because I mean her character on that. I mean she was so associated with that character because she was the ditzy you know yeah. airheaded space-headed yeah. right. space-headed one of 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 that group of four people and you know that's just how i associated her for so long but here in her in her late career she plays this tough no nonsense you know yeah. don't mess with me type of roles and she does it just so very very well because she was right. she does this she was in legion i know you you weren't just a big fan of legion but She's, she was really good. She was really, really good in in that show and does a, a, a plays a similar uh, part that she does in 
in this series. Uh, she was in Sweet Home Alabama as, kind of, as the mayor of East Town. Oh yeah, that's right. She was in Mayor of East Town. Yeah. Uh, so I mean, and what I like about her is she has no problem saying, "I will let people, s- I will look my age." And she's still good looking. Yeah, she is. I mean, because I mean, a lot of I mean, so many actresses. And actors, and actors too. I mean, let's right, not, right. you know, once. Well, there's one in this cast that his face is finally settled. Looking at you, Mr. Johnson. Oh, yeah, Don Johnson. <laughs> when he first got his face left, it was terrible. Right. And it, it, he looks a lot better now. So. He looks a lot better. Yeah, but so, I mean, all these actors and actresses, they don't want to look their age. I mean, Tom Cruise is like 60-something. And he looks right. like, he, when we go see Top Gun, he's going to look like he's like maybe five years older than he was I know, I know. in the 80s. Right. Uh, so, I mean, her being comfortable with, you know, playing, looking her age, I think is just fantastic. And I think it has served her well because it it has opened up a lot of parts that – for for older women like like yeah. this role in particular, she has to be about thirty five years older than she was in nineteen eighty five. So it you know it just opens up a a lot of roles for her that she wouldn't have if she was trying to do like every other actor and actress in in Hollywood and try to look younger. Well, for the last fifteen years, she's been a person that they bring into a show and just kills it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you know they were like, you know, hey, what about Gene Smart? You know, right. since all these bigger people have turned it down. Now you know she's gonna be the first call, right? She is. And then if they're not like you know, uh, you, you know, what about Gene Smart type? That's what's mm-hmm. gonna happen. So you know, good for her. She's always been good, and I'm glad she's getting recognition. And we're about to cover it. She is incredible in hacks. Yes, she is. She's very good in that, and we'll be talking about that next week. So I'm looking forward to that. So it's kind of a nice little transition that we've got going yeah. here. <laughs> uh, but a lot of Jane Smart love over here. Yes, and you know when she pulls out that first episode that she appears in that big blue vibrator, I'm like, <laughs> yeah. like oh my gosh, they <laughs> wow. they are not holding back in this show to say the least. So, uh, but uh, so let's see, who else do we need to talk? About? Okay, let's talk about Tim, Tim Blake, Blake Nelson. Nelson. So uh, I'm not hugely familiar with him. But, and that's one reason why, like, I was like, man, he's, when I first saw this, like, he's doing a great Southern accent. No, he's, that's just him. <laughs> and he's from Tulsa. Yeah, he's from and Tulsa. And didn't know about the Tulsa Massacre. Yeah, I, I've read that about him as well. So, like, I found out a lot about him. So, Tim Blake Nelson plays Looking Glass. And the, what's, well, go ahead. Most known for O Brother Wildfield. Yeah, that's what, that's the thing that it kind of put him on the map was O Brother Wildfield. Yeah. That's the only other thing I've ever seen him in. Uh, I will say, let me rephrase that. It's the only thing I know that I've seen him in. I'm sure he's been in other stuff that I've seen him he, in. He's been in a lot of other stuff. But the other big thing is he was kind of the, one of the villains in Holes. That Shia LaBeouf movie. Okay, I never saw it. Yeah, it's okay. really good. It's based on the book. But anyway, just a great character actor and a perfect role for him. Yeah, and he is the he is what is very much the the best description of what a hero in Watchmen is. It's not a superhero. It's not a superpower. Just extremely gifted or talented at one particular thing that he does well. And his uh, his talent is he can. He's like a human lie detector. He knows when people are lying. He knows when people are telling the truth. And that's kind of that's what makes his role so vital to this show is because that's what Watchmen was full of. It wasn't people that had superpowers, but they were just so very talented at certain aspects, and they could. That's what made them so good at their job. Uh, and that's what and I loved. I loved his backstory episode. It may have been yeah. my favorite before you know before the. Uh, 
the the last three, right? Because I thought I thought it was really good. All right, and so we got to talk about two other people. Uh, we need to talk about the villains. Uh, we uh, said I'd forget his name, and I forgot his name again. James Walt. James Walt. Thank you. He is. He was on Mad Men. I saw some of him. Yeah. I didn't. I didn't finish it. Uh, he was oh, in Mad Men's awesome. Yeah, he was in it. I, I wanted to finish. I just never did, and I don't have an AMC account, so that's another reason I haven't finished it. Uh, but he he plays Senator Keen. Nice. I love the fact that they called this Senator Keene because this is the son of the Senator Keene who basically, like, in 19... The, this is an alternate history show, and in 1977, according to their history, the Keene Act outlawed vigilantes except for two, who was the comedian and uh, Dr. Manhattan. Those were the only two vigilantes that could actually do anything. Uh, but it was his father that enacted it, like, uh, introduced that bill into the Senate and got it passed. So it's, I, I like the fact that they kept using that same family history to, to kind of tie back to the comic. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I really, I really, you know, I've seen him in a lot of stuff. They've been, he has been on the precipice of being a huge star, you know, for years. Oh, yeah. A bunch of shows that they thought was going to be big and it just didn't happen yeah. for him, unfortunately. But, a really good actor. Uh, you know, the Southern accent, you know, not the best. Not the best. But, right. I, but he's a villain. Right. So you, you're going to make it even, you're going to make it worse than it is. Well, well what's interesting about his, for this role. yeah, he's perfect for this. So what's interesting about his accent is like, you can tell like when he's trying to be, do the Senate stuff, he's trying mm -hmm. to like keep it yeah. at bay, at bay. But like at the, in the final episode when he's like, you know, going full villain and all, he, he tries to let it fly a little bit, a little bit more. And I don't think well, it works he actually, well. He actually reminds me of Bill Clinton because, like, they talked about Bill Clinton's Southern accent. Uh -huh. when he was trying to sell, you know, to, to be a politician. Right. You know, he, I don't, he, you could be the most conservative person if he's one-on-one -on -one with you. Right. And he's putting a Southern charm on what he's got. Oh, yeah, yeah, And yeah. that's what I think he was trying yeah, to Yeah, I think so, too. And like you said, he was like Leonardo DiCaprio in uh, Django, which also John Johnson's in. Mm -hmm. uh, he was like the villain from that at the end. And I think that's what he was going for, like he said, when he was really hamming it up as a, as at, when he was being really bad. But I really enjoyed it. I, th I thought he was great. Yeah, he, he, he was good. He was a really good villain. The other villain is Hong Chow. I'm guessing I'm pronouncing her name correctly. Uh, it looks like I would say yes. Uh, she is Lady True in this. I liked her role just because I never really had a firm grasp on where they were going with her until obviously like episode eight. I, I yeah, go ahead. I, I'm with you. I, I don't know what the heck was going on with her. I was like, this is some weird stuff, and it paid off. Yeah, because you you know that she's got something planned. You know she's got something in the works. You just don't know if she's working towards something good or if she's working towards something bad. You don't really know, and you honestly don't really figure it out until she starts talking to Angela about the location of Dr. Manhattan. That's when you're like, oh, okay, well, then she's obviously going to be a bad guy in this. Uh, but that was the first real clue. But, you know, they play her out. You know, she's the first trillionaire ever in the world. Uh, so just like I said, I liked what they did with her character because you don't really get this sense of what she's going to be until she truly reveals it herself. And I thought that was just a really good way to do her character. I thought she did a, a, an excellent job of it. And I like the way they introduce her and they just, they show how, how smart she is, how intelligent she is to kind of start tying her back to Adrian Vite because like the first way they introduce her is with that family. And I guess episode mm -hmm. four, 
and you yeah, know, she yeah, says, right. she says, you know, I want to buy your property. I guess like twenty million, I don't remember, or five million. I don't remember how much she offered them for for their property. And she says, you know, I know the one thing you don't have is is a child. And like she comes with a child that is like genetically theirs. I mean, so yeah. they are setting her up like this is a character you to be reckoned with, and you better pay attention to her. And they do a really good job of selling that as soon as they introduce her. Yeah, they did. They really did. Uh, really weird character from the from the get go. Mm-hmm. All right, so let's go ahead and talk about some kind of the plot points. Obviously, this show is. You know, it's about racism, but racism is a bit of a red herring in this, to be, be really, really honest. Yeah, yeah, at the, at the end, yeah, mm-hmm. you're right. Because really, the, the Seventh Cavalry is not the... They're a villain, but they're not the main villain. No, they're not the main villain. They're I mean, not the villain that we think they are. Right. They're setting this up like this is going to be all about white supremacy. And it is throughout a, a large portion of this show, but... And what I like about this is that they're not setting... It would have been really easy to just set up, you know... These white supremacists, they're just dumb and stupid and, right. you know, they're going to make a whole bunch. They don't, they don't do that. I mean, like the person who, the lady who like comes on to uh, Looking Glass in the bar, she's some type of scientist. I don't remember what kind of scientist, but she's like mm-hmm. got some type of, she, she's a doctor of some sort. Uh, you know, you got Senator Keene. I mean, right. you know, these are intelligent people that just are racist. I mean, that's, right, so right. it, it they want you to understand that just because they have very backward ideas about how to treat humans doesn't mean that you can just brush them off as stupid. And I think that's a, just a really good, a good way. Cause almost every time you see somebody who is racist in a television show or anything like that, they're always portrayed as kind of being dumb. Yeah. 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 No, you're right about that. And then also, you know, the, the real life stuff, I mean, like, I'm sorry. This, the race stuff that we see happening to African Americans really happened. Yeah, mm-hmm, exactly. I mean, you know, so I mean, that is not altered history what they were doing. Right, in, right, in, right, right, right. You know, the stuff that happens to Looking Glass as a, as a kid is you know is altered in history. Right, but like mm-hmm. the stuff, like the stuff that's happened to you know Will Will Reeves. Right. actually happened. Yeah, it it did. So I mean, that was I mean they they, just, they went straight to the history books. Uh, to, to pull from that, to pull that storyline from. Speaking of Will Reeves, let's talk about him a little bit. Obviously, the big reveal about Will, you know, you wonder, you, did you think from the beginning that he killed uh, Captain Judd? I wasn't sure. I wasn't either. Of course, he was, of course, he's in the wheelchair, right. which you're thinking, that makes me sort of think he may have. Right. There's some story behind him, so I wasn't sure. Yeah, I wasn't sure either, so I was like, I, I kind of thought, it's like, I think he did, but I don't know how he right. pulled this off, because well, obviously, yeah. a man in a wheelchair is not going to be able to lift a guy who probably weighs about 200 pounds and yeah. hang him, so I'm like, right. how are they going to do this? And they obviously explain how they do it with the whole mind control thing and all that type of stuff. Yeah. Uh, that was cool. Yeah, it was. But it's interesting the way that they did this, because this is something that actually people were kind of when the original Watchmen came out because I did some some research on this when the show came out there were some people who kind of thought that there was the possibility that Hooded Justice was actually an African American he was actually a black man and the reason why even though the only because th- they never ever revealed the identity of Hooded Justice in the original uh, in the source material. Okay. He, his identity is completely unknown. Of all the original Watchmen that were 
of all the people that they actually aren't called Watchmen. I can't remember what their names are. Minutemen. Minutemen. Thank you. Uh, of all the original Minutemen, uh, Captain Metropolis or whatever their their names mm-hmm. were, uh, he was the only one that they didn't know the identity of. And like I said, but there was always this idea that maybe it actually is a black man because you know a guy who kind of looks like a Klansman, even though he has white eyes, like maybe you know, and he always had his hands were always in gloves, so you never could actually see his skin. You know, this idea would be just this really you know controversial idea to you know put a a black man in that role, even though. Most people, he's trying to get the appearance of being white, and that's what they pay off in this. So that was a really interesting yeah. choice that Damon Lindelof, Lindelof that went with. That was very interesting. I did not see that coming. Yeah. It, and like you said, it, that whole storyline was just extremely fascinating. Yeah, it really is. It's a, it's a fascinating storyline to go through. One of the things I thought that was interesting in terms of the choices they made in this show, flashback episodes can be a drag sometimes. Uh, the, oh, yeah, yeah. They can be. And really, you get two flashback episodes in this, and they're some of the most compelling television yeah. you've seen. You know, like, the, the episode where she takes the nostalgia and she goes down basically memory lane for, uh, for, for Will Reeves, when she does that, that's, you know, those were the scenes they picked from when they were, like, given their Emmy, when they were submitting their Emmy case, were, yeah. were those episodes. I'll be honest, that one, I thought, Right before that, I thought, okay, this is this is if it's going to be this, this is going to drag on. Mm-hmm. But then the well, re- then the, the hood right. justice thing happened, and I was like, whoa, yeah. So it, you know, then it went a whole different way. Right, it went, it goes a completely different way, and you know, you see how he became a police officer. You see what led him to become uh, hood justice. You see why he is so angry, uh, and you know, you don't really see. Obviously, Lewis Gossett Jr. is playing a much different, older, wiser version of yeah. of this character, but he's much more calm. But just you know, to see him, you know, to have that confrontation with with Don Johnson's character, uh, Captain Judd, yeah. that was because you think when you see Captain Judd like run, uh, run off the side of the road or when his tires get flattened, that's what it was in episode one. You think uh, he he obviously got jumped right then and there. Right, right. That's not what happened at all. He's Will Reeves is sitting in that wheelchair. He's got that flashlight. Uh, And what I thought uh, was so great about the scene where he actually tells him to to hang himself is he's got in mind control. And like, as soon as he's hung, he turns the flashlight off so that he can die as understanding what was going on. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. And I was going to ask you, was Judd Crawford actually a bad guy? I think he was because, like, if you remember what his wife was talking about at the end of episode eight and nine, how, like, mm-hmm. when Officer, when Agent uh, Blake was, you know, basically explained their plan to her, she's like, well, that was the plan. So, yeah, uh, I think he was. I think he, he was okay. very much in cahoots with, with Officer, with uh, Senator King. I think that was. Because okay, he does say something like, he's like, you don't know. I'm actually doing this, you know, to help or something. Right. I'm, doing, I, I'm doing, I can't remember what he lied, but he tried to make it look like, Hey, it looks like this way, but I'm actually helping. Right. And then we, fi- and then we find out that, uh, you know, Angela had mentioned his name yeah. and that may have got him killed. But anyway, I, that's why I was like, 
Well, I mean, I mean, his wife is so bad, and played right. by the great Frances Fisher. I should have known she was going to come back <laughs> to be the villain. If, you know, they don't bring her, you know, just for a very small part. Yeah, so. they don't. And like I said, but, uh, I, I think so. And I mean, I think you did a really good job of trying to sell that he was yeah. because, like, the very first episode when he's—I can't remember what they call that machine that he's flying around in. That's the—it's Night Owl's machine, is what it yeah, is. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I'm like, you know, he's going full out, you know, trying to to take the down the seventh cavalry in that and when they were having that confrontation you know and one of the things i loved about that first episode is the watchman visuals from the comic from the movie it's all about you know just these insane visuals that first scene where they raid the seventh cavalry's headquarters in that abandoned farm whatever it is and mm-hmm. they open up with these gatling guns and like just tear down this cattle this this herd of cattle I and mean, like they were just bits me i was like I was like, oh my gosh, it's, it's yeah. disgusting, but it's so much in line with what they were doing in, in the original source material. So mm-hmm. it worked really, really well. Uh, but like I said, you know, flashback episodes don't always work. So we get that first one, but then in episode, I guess it was, was it seven or eight? Which one? The second one, uh, where we get the, the doctor. The second one. Well, the, the first one is five, where we yeah, get the de- looking glass. Yeah, and, Six is is will reeves okay and then actually the third one though there's technically three because yeah. dr manhattan's where we get the it's, story of, that's eight yeah that's the eighth episode and that one i think is is the best because it's so hard to understand how dr manhattan perceives time how he perceives mm-hmm. and the fact that they are constantly going from you know when he was first meeting angela to when he's talking with will when he's talking with adrian when he's in the present day to right. flip back and forth between all those scenes that just does such a good job of showing this is what it's like for him yeah and i you know i still don't fully understand all the time stuff yeah but i thought they did a fantastic job of explaining it and showing yeah it. you know I, I i thought they did a really really good job of that yeah they really did because that is the one of the hardest things to sell about dr manhattan is to, mm-hmm. getting a, a watch a reader or a, a viewer whatever medium it might be at that particular instance getting you to understand what it's like for him. So, and that scene just makes it so interesting because, you know, basically what starts this is that moment when Angela asks Dr. Manhattan to ask Will, you know, how did he know that there was a, a, a clan outfit in, in Judd Crawford's closet and he's like, well, I didn't until now and now I do. So, and that's what starts everything. I mean, that's that's what's so very interesting i mean and like i said we know that we also got the revelation you know because that's the big thing that that's the big thing that gets revealed is when uh angela you cracks open cal's head and and pulls out that little that little device that was subduing the dr manhattan of him all um but you know they explain to us how all this starts to come together, how the seventh Calvary figures out where he is because of the white knight and how one of their, one of their, uh, people gets transported to the birthplace of, of John Osterman, uh, who is Dr. Manhattan. So all this stuff comes together and it's just in incredible storytelling by Lindelof. Like I said, this, like I said, I have not finished leftover, so I need to finish it. But, just the way he pieced this entire thing together, everything tied together so very well. 
Yeah. Because we get from the opening scene of the first episode all the way to the very end of the entire show, everything is tied together, everything is connected, and you've got to be paying paying attention as you go along. Yeah, you've got to, because one time I looked at my phone, was like, my wife was like, you missed that. And I was like, Oop. Yeah. <laughs> I can't remember. You know. So, yeah, this is a show. And, you know, also, I hate that Lindelof only wanted to do one season, because there's a lot more meat on the bone. Yeah, because that's one of the things. He said he wanted. He said he was going to tell his story. Part of it is he has a huge respect for Alan Moore. Uh, he, okay. he has a huge respect for him, and he kind of felt bad doing this because he had yeah. such a huge respect for him uh, because Alan Moore wants nothing to do with it. I mean, he is, he has yeah. said that repeatedly. He has no desire to have any, any connection to this, to this show or anything that is ever done by uh, uh, anything that is ever based on his work. He has, he has no desire to have any part of it. So that's part of it. Uh, and they have talked about possibly rebooting it up for another, another season, yeah. but yeah, yeah, it doesn't sound like it's completely dead. I think the pandemic, as anything, yeah. delayed it for sure. Because it sounds like HBO is considering. HBO would like uh, to. I think they would. I think they would. A hundred. If they found somebody who had a story that would continue it the way that they wanted to, and it would continue at the same quality that they wanted it to be at, I think they would do it. But they haven't found anybody I, yet. And I, I really think that's part of the problem too. Yeah. It's finding the the right person to take it because they have had. Some stories where they've had other people take over big little lies. I'm looking at you, season two, and it wasn't as good right. as shows like this. So I think that's why. But you would think with the way they're building up HBO Max, this would be huge. Yeah, huge for them. It would be, but also they want to. You have a classic piece of literature that, even even though it's comic literature, they still have a classic piece of literature that this drew from. I think yeah. they want to make sure that they don't. They want to. Try, they don't want it to go Westworld. Uh, they, right. So, exactly. Which was, you know, great in the first season. The second season was just absolutely awful. So that they want to avoid yeah. that, and that's one reason I think that if they ever do it, they're they are going to be very very particular and very careful about letting just anybody take it. Yeah, you're right about. And similar thing happened to Lovecraft Country. I don't know if you watched that. Oh, did it? It came out the 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 last year. I mean, it came out in 2020, and they decided. Like, you know, I, I don't think the showrunner, I think they wanted someone else. Mm-hmm. And then, like, uh, you know, no one else has taken on, so they've canceled that as well. Yeah. Uh, so, like, you know, there was a lot more there as well. Yeah. So I think, like you said, they're afraid to give it all over to somebody who's not going to do a good job. Yeah. Which, you know, I, I respect. Oh, yeah, I do too. A certain amount, for sure. I mean, I, don't get me wrong. I mean, I was upset when I found out this is only going to be one season. I was like, oh, come on, I need a second season of this. But, yeah, as of right now, the plan is just to keep it at once. All right, so the big plan, and obviously the big reveal at after Doctor Manhattan, is that Lady True is is Adrian Veidt's daughter. Uh, they reveal that in uh, episode nine, the the season finale. That's when they finally no, or was it episode eight? I, I, I think we find it out in eight. Okay, at the end of eight. I can't remember. It all kind of runs together, but we find out that she is uh, the daughter of Adrian Veidt. This is, and like I said, this is a big reveal. But they reveal how it happens in episode nine. <laughs> Yeah, kind of creepy. She goes and steals his his, his seed, and her her mother does, and uh, basically it's like artificial insemination for the most part. Uh, and then you find out this little girl that we've seen is it actually her mother? Yeah, that's her mother because she cloned her mother because she wanted her she wanted her parents to be there at her greatest triumph, and so 
she says that a number of times throughout the course of the episode. And we're like, okay, well, when is she going to bring her mother and father in? And realize, oh, she's already brought them in. <laughs> she's got her mother as a child, and she's got her father encased in gold. <laughs> so yeah. uh, That was another thing I was like, because saw, I saw the case in gold earlier, and I was like, oh, wow, he's been there the whole mm. time. <laughs> yeah, he's so been that, there the whole time. Uh, yeah. Yeah, so uh, we didn't really talk about this. Let's talk about that a little bit. So basically the way the Adrian Vite storyline works throughout this is when we first see him in that first episode, he has been there for one year. That's what his anniversary is. And every episode, it is exactly one year later. Uh, so oh, okay. I don't know if you ever if you ever fully got that. But that's the way that that I works. And I figured it out. I think in the fourth or fifth episode when he's doing the catapult thing, uh, that's when I figured it out because he says something along those lines, and that's when I ended up googling it. And there was a lot of theories about that, and it was actually confirmed at some point. Uh, oh, that, and, and I'm glad he mentioned the catapult because I was like, okay, this has got to be some. I didn't realize it was going to say save me, dog. Yeah, that was the big thing. You know, it says save me, and there's a D there. And everybody was, when that first came out, everybody was speculating, what did he spell after D? What was, yeah, yeah. what, what did he spell? Some people said, thought he may have said dad. Uh, and there were some other mm-hmm. things out there, but daughter was not something that was on a lot of people's register. It was on some people's, but not everybody's. Yeah. But it became obvious once she reveals that she's going to. She's got a, a, a satellite going to Europa in five years, so many days. You know, and that's just such, such a to for Adrian Vite to remember that and to try to get everything planned so he could have that message for her as soon as that satellite passed by. That's such an Adrian Vite thing. So I mean, it's just it's just the character tones that they get for him for for. Agent Blake, uh, for Lori Blake, uh, and the previous characters. Yeah. I mean, in Dr. Manhattan, Yahya Abdul-Mateen nails that character as well. I mean. He does. He was so good. Just the, you know, very, because as Cal, he was, he was a bit of, you know, we get emotions and things from him. But as soon as he's flipped back to Dr. Manhattan, he becomes the, the stoic, you know, very unemotional, uh, you know, kind of, uh, I don't know what the word is, but you know, just straight delivery, just mm-hmm. so to, to flip that is just really, really well done by him. And, you know, kudos to him for being able to, you know, have the, the, the courage to have that much frontal nudity because <laughs> I, right? I could not do that. Yeah. No, me, me either. I mean, I don't know if that was actually him, but yeah. a lot of, a lot of pieces, but either way, right. good exactly. For good for him. So good. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, you know, you can see why his career took off. This was a great role. Yeah, it was. You know, the last few where he really got to show his range. Yeah. So, like I said, just absolutely fantastic. And Lady True, you know, when we finally find out what her plan is, the resolution is very much like I said at the beginning when we were talking about this. Adrian Veidt, the whole deal is he's a bad guy, but he's a good guy as well. Because right. He's going to do the greatest good no matter how much it costs. So, again, he sees that Lady True is about to take Dr. Manhattan's powers, and she's going to become Dr. Manhattan. And because he knows that's his daughter, that's his genes there, he knows that there is no way that he could have Dr. Manhattan's power, so there's no way that she can have it without something bad happening. And so he's like, we'll just rain these frozen squids down on them, and it's going to kill people, but it's for the greater good. And that's, you know, it's just a very Adrian Vite type of thing to do. 
and it becomes one of those moral questions, all right? All right. So a lot of people are about to die, but it's going to save a whole lot more. So what do we do in that situation? That's one of the great things about just the Watchmen material in general and Lindelof yeah. going back to it. Yeah, and again, this kept me on my toes the whole time. I didn't know what was coming. Right. I could never, you know, it didn't really get boring, especially, like I said, from episode three on when, mm-hmm. when Gene Smart came on. Uh, not, not that the first two, but right. like, it, it, like it just went next level. Yeah, it found and, another level. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's just, man, it was just a really good show that you just, again, you have to put that phone yeah, down. Yeah, you do. You're mm-hmm. gonna miss, you're going to miss something because you don't know what's coming. And it's, like you said, those seven, eight, nine constant reveals. Yeah, there are. There's lots of reveals. And what you mentioned about Jean Smart, you know, her adding to the cast, for people who haven't read the material, you know, it's just great to get a, a great actress and have her inserted into that into that storyline to be that foil for, for Angela. But as the people who are familiar with it, you know, to get Lori Blake into the story and become a, a key vital part of the story you know that's it's great from so many different angles as and like i said she just does an excellent job as, as that character yeah yeah so all right so we got to talk about this at the very end will reeves is talking to angela in the theater and he says something about you know uh dr manhattan told him you gotta break some eggs or something. i don't remember what it was but it was something about breaking eggs and this is a callback and she doesn't realize it at first to the night they first met and she asked and they were talking, Dr. Manhattan and Angela were talking about him being able to pass his powers on to somebody else, and he creates that egg right there in front of her. Uh, she thinks it's just a parlor trick at the time, obviously. But, and Will tells her, well, uh, Dr. Manhattan said you, you, you would know what it means when you needed to know. And it clicks to her that there's an egg, and she eats the egg, and the show ends as she's getting ready to step out onto... Her pool. So, do you think she did it? Uh, yes. And I saw that scene coming a mile away when she grabbed that. Egg. Yeah. I was like, she's gonna step on that. Just gonna show her step, and it's gonna end. It's I gonna knew end. what that mm-hmm. was about to happen. But yes, I think I think she got the powers. That's why I, I wish there was a scene. Yeah, I do too. And it, you know, it's one of those interesting things because this is, it's kind of one of those those constant things about this show is, you know, they don't think anybody should have Dr. Manhattan's powers, but there's always somebody who's going to, to want them, you know, uh, Angela in this show obviously wants them because it's, you know, the person that she loves and the person that was her, her life partner, but you know, does she truly need it? And this it becomes one of those, another one of those philosophical questions because basically you are, you're just short of God. I mean, if, if right. you're Dr. Manhattan. So like I said, I would love to get a second season. Of this I don't know that's ever going to happen, yeah. but I would love to yeah, get a second season. So, yeah. but you know, it's a very Lindelof thing to end that show that uh, way. <laughs> it, it felt like inception. Yeah, it did. You're, you're right. Yeah. With the spinning top that how yeah. it ended. We don't know if that top ever fell. So, uh, yeah, you're, you're not wrong there. So, <laughs> All right, uh, anything else we want to talk about? I think we covered the show pretty well. No, I think we're ready for some more. I just really, really enjoyed the show. Yeah, I did too. I, like I said, when I talk about, uh, well, we'll talk about this when we get the ratings, so I'll, I'll hold off on that. All right, so let's talk about our season awards. When we get to the end of the season, since we covered the entire season in this one show, uh, we have six awards that we hand out. The six awards are based on the six characters of Friends, the Rachel, the Joey, the Chandler, the Phoebe, the Monica, and the Ross. 
But the first one we hand out is the Rachel, who is the star of the show, the person who shined above everyone else. I think we're probably both going to go the same way, but who was your Rachel for Watchmen? Yeah, I went with Regina King. Yes. It, I mean, she, from the start to the finish. Yeah, it, it is it, her. This is her show. She owns it. Yeah, and like I said, it's it's a huge role for her. Absolutely must get for her, and she absolutely killed it as Angela Avar. So, easy call for the Rachel. Now, yeah. we might have some differences on the on these okay. next yeah. few. Uh, the Joey. The Joey is the person you just was one of your favorite characters, not necessarily the star of the show, but just somebody you just enjoyed watching. Who was your Joey? I went with Coe's on this one. Okay. Uh, I went with Yaya Abdul-Mateen. Uh, I thought he was fantastic, and I'd just seen Ambulance. Ah, okay. And like I said, I knew something was going to happen with him. Right. That there was a reason why his career took off for this. Right. And then the others, Jean Smart. Mm-hmm. She is just, she's the best thing every time she shows up. Yeah. And, and she is an enigma. I love her. Gene, I, I love you. I just say, so. <laughs> yeah. I'm, uh, I'm happy every time I see her. I didn't do any, I did not do any codes this weekend. I'm double checking to make sure of that, but yeah, I did not do any codes. I just went with Gene smart. Uh, just because as agent Lori Blake, she's absolutely fantastic. Ever since she walks in, one person we didn't talk about was, uh, and I wanted to go and talk about him real quick is lube man. Did you ever figure out who lube man was? Uh, I found out, I read it later, it was her partner. Yeah, Petey. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Uh, that was the one. When this show came out and Lube Man showed up, like, the, the internet blew up. Like, who is Lube Man? Everybody wanted to know who Lube Man was. So, I just, I, like I said, uh, it was just one of those weird things that just kind of yeah. developed out of nowhere. So, uh, but no, uh, Lori Blake, uh, Gene Smart is Lori Blake. She is definitely, I think, the right call for that. Uh, you go and co. I can see why you want to co with there with uh, Yaya Abdul Mateen as well as either Doctor Manhattan or Cal. So uh, let me get my notes back up so I can see who I did for my next one. All right, the Chandler, the person who made you laugh the most. Who is your Chandler for Watchmen? I had to go with my cousin Tim Blake. Okay. On this one. Uh, I, I thought he was hilarious, uh, and he uh, he's just a funny character actor. Uh, yeah even when he's not being funny he's fine yeah he he is good i went with jeremy irons as adrian Vite, uh just because i thought about him as well that was it was between them yeah i know i i could have gone with him for our next award as well but then look there's a lot of people i ended up having to leave out and i hated that (laughs) i mean same yeah so uh but i went with uh jeremy irons as adrian Vite just because there's a lot of absurdity around his character and you know there's just sometimes where you end up laughing as a result i mean the, the the fart you know, in a in a pretty high level show <laughs> that this is, yeah. you know, fart jokes are still they work regardless of that. So it's it's just so. Well, it, go ahead. Again, when he delivers the defense rest line. Afterwards. Yes, <laughs> that's just fantastic. Uh, the Phoebe, the person that is kind of the oddball, the weird character that is maybe a little bit difficult to understand. Who is your Phoebe for Watchmen? I went with Jeremy Irons here. Okay. Uh, you know, like, you know, uh, you know, just because I never knew what was going on with this character yeah. till the very end. Right. And, like, I enjoyed that. And, and, and as we mentioned, there's only, like, two people. There may be some. Uh, John Lithgow, as well, yeah. could pull off a role like this. There's only a handful. And Irons is one. And he killed this. Yeah, he did. And you just don't know 
what he's doing. It's weird, and I love it. I love Jeremy Irons, too. Yeah, I went with Hong Chow as Lady True just because I never really got a, a real good grasp for, for what her end game was until the very mm-hmm. end, obviously. Yeah. Uh, so that's the reason I ended up going with, with her I as almost went with her as well. Yeah. All right, the Monica. The Monica is a person who is not necessarily your favorite, not necessarily a person you hated. It's just a person who plays an important part in the show. So who is your Monica? I went with Lou Gossett Jr. here because Will Reeves, yeah, his story takes the whole show. Yeah, it, it does. And he was he was so fantastic. Uh, I ended up going with Yaya Abdul-Mateen as Cal or Dr. Manhattan just because Everything is leading towards him, even though he doesn't know it at the time. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Just because, like I said, everybody is is gunning for him throughout the course of this entire show, and what's and for him to not be aware of that is just so absolutely fantastic. And it's just yeah. it's just so well done, and I absolutely loved it. So, uh, your Ross, the Ross is the least favorite character or the person you liked the uh, hated the most. Who is your Ross for Watchmen? So this is where I went with co-villains. I went with James Wolk and uh, Hong Chow. Okay. Uh, I went with just James Wolk as Senator King. Yeah. So uh, yeah. he is, and, you know, he's easy to hate. You know, it's easy to hate yeah. all of the white supremacists. So, <laughs> I mean, uh, yeah. uh, you know, just re- really well done by them, though. So it's not because they were bad at their jobs. It's just because they, no. they did a really good job of, of making you hate them. Very good actors. All right. So that leads us to our rating. Our rating system here on the Main Attraction Podcast, we have five ways that we can rate it. We can, At the top of our list, the best of the best is a Game of Thrones. Uh, underneath Game of Thrones, right below it, is Lost. Middle of the road for us is Friends. Just Beneath Friends is a full house. And at the bottom of the barrel is a Baywatch, which means only if you're desperate. So where does Watchmen fall for you on our rating scale? This is Game of Thrones. This is just an incredible show from start to finish. It's so creative. It's so innovative for a uh, comic. Uh, you know, it, it was educational. There's so much to love about the show. Yeah, the, Game of Thrones. There is. It's a Game of Thrones for me. And to be perfectly honest with you, if we'd had multiple seasons of this show and this show had played out, this rating might be a Watchmen instead of a Game of Thrones. Uh, it's, it's that good to me. When people ask me, you know, what is the best comic book movie or television show that you've ever seen you know there was a time when i would go to something marvel related or i would go to the dark knight or something like that or the original spider-man trilogy something along those lines i i now go to watchmen uh, it's to me it is the best that is out there it is it is incredible storytelling it is highly relevant for the time that it was done in uh yeah. just powerful stuff and like i said just it, it is, like I said, it is definitely – go ahead. And, and the relevance has not changed. It no, it has not. It's more relevant yeah. today. Yeah, it's still relevant today. So, I mean, it, like I said, it, it is it is apropos for our time that we are living in now. So, I mean, it's – and that's what uh, that's what Alan Moore was trying to do when he wrote the original Source Fiction. That's one of the reasons Damon Lindelof tackled what he did with the races and the white supremacy is because he wanted to, he wanted to kind of pay homage to Alan Moore and that he was tackling something that was very relevant in the 1980s and he wanted to tackle something that was very relevant in you know the late 2019 so uh, yeah and and I just going to mention one last thing about this you know we didn't learn about I didn't learn about the Tulsa massacre in school right 
and we're starting to learn about this now. Kids aren't going to learn about this anymore. So right. I just want to throw that out there. Right. So this is just how much, how relevant this is now. Yeah, it is. It is it's 100% relevant. So like I said, just just fantastic stuff all around. Absolutely fantastic stuff all around. Uh, as Game of the Thrones as we've had covering this uh, ever since we started this podcast. So. All right, let us move on to our. We don't do we don't do recommendations at the in our midweek episode. We do things that we are looking forward to. So I want to ask you: Do you have anything you are looking forward to? I have two, and we may have the same ones. Go ahead. Uh, their trailers dropped today. Oh yeah, <laughs> uh, it's and they were both season three, right? I think yeah, so. They are. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah. The boys, mm-hmm. uh, and they're both coming. The boys season three, and for all mankind season three, and they both start in June. So I am looking forward to both of those, and that both will be something we will be covering later on. Yes, we'll definitely cover some of. The, I don't know which ones we're going to do episode by episode. We, we may do both. We may not do either until the end of the season. We don't know yet. We're we're, we're still trying to figure that out. We we we've got this time period where we've got lots of stuff to get where. We don't have a whole lot to cover, and then we're going to get hit with a whole bunch of stuff, kind of like we did in April. So uh, we're, we're trying to make some decisions here on the Main Attraction Podcast. But, uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to both of those. I will say this. I'm going to put something that I am not looking forward to. Uh, one thing Ooh. I'm not looking forward to, I saw the trailer for this when I went and saw Doctor Strange. I saw the trailer for the new Avatar movie. I don't care. <laughs> I, I thought the exact same thing. I was, I, I was like, I, 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 show me Top Gun again, please. I was like, I, I, I don't care about this. I'm like, who's asking? I don't know anybody that is just like enamored with the first movie. I, I don't know a single person. And like, I'm sure there, it was, look, I saw the first one. It was good, but it wasn't great. It was pretty. Yeah. I mean, it was really, really pretty. <laughs> it, I will say it was better than I thought it was going to be. Oh, let's see. I, I, it wasn't, I thought I had really high expectations for it when I, when I saw the first one, I was like, man, this is going to be great. It's like, eh, it's really not. It's fun. It's great to look at, but was, I'm like, eh. so I'm like, I'm just, I'm very indifferent about that. I mean, if I see it, I'll, I may see it. I may not. I really don't care. But <laughs> right now I'm just like, eh, I, I can do without it. So, Oh, I'm not going to the theater. Yeah. Oh, no. I'll tell me we have. No, 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 no. I like said, if I, if I see it, it'll be, it'll be whenever it's out on streaming and all that fun stuff. So, uh, but so yeah, that's something I'm not looking forward to when I saw the the trailer for it. It it didn't do anything to sell me on it. All right. Uh, all right. So next week on the show, I'll remind you guys, if you didn't listen to us last episode, uh, if you are wondering what we're covering next week, we are going to be covering the first four episodes of hacks season two uh they should all be out by the time that we get ready to record so uh they come out on thursdays on hbo max they are doing two episodes at a time they started it last week they're doing two more episodes this week so that is what we're going to be covering this week uh we will and, 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 go ahead and you thought we put some praise on gene smart this week oh, yeah, no. <laughs> we'll, we'll be talking quite a bit about her next week so uh we'll be discussing uh hacks the first four episodes of season two we'll obviously also have to talk a little bit about season one as well uh, but we'll be focusing more on season two. Uh, we're not going to go episode by episode. We'll wait till that season has ended. Oh, excuse me. And we will go back and cover it when it's over. Uh, we are also going to be covering the one that we talked about, uh, the night sky on Amazon prime. Like I said, last in our last episode, we kind of found a little bit of a gem in outer range and we're kind of hoping that we can, we think we may have found a, a similar type show. So we're going to be covering the first four episodes of the night sky 
which should start on Friday of this week. Uh, all, all eight episodes, we think, are we're pretty certain are coming out this week. Uh, we're going to do the first four, and then we will cover the next four the following week. So uh, that is our plan for uh, next week's show. So if you haven't seen Hacks, go watch it. And when the night sky comes out, go watch it as well. All right, anything else you want to add? Just want to thank everybody for joining us, and we'll talk to you next time. And as always, I will echo those same sentiments. And until next time, may all of your entertainment dreams come true. (laughs) 